The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. NASCAR America, Jeff Burton, Kyle Petty, Nate's here, which means we have something we have to explain. Yes, yes, Every time do. Nate's yes, here, there's people. an explanation coming, right? That's, That's your right. role? That's my role. I'm glad you're here. That's what people say. You know, Kevin Harvick, uh, he won that race, and that was a dominating fashion at the end of that race. But before that, there was a huge announcement in motorsports today in Indianapolis. That's right, Jeff. Motorsports icon Roger Penske is acquiring Holman & Company, the parent of IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is home to both the Indianapolis 500 and NASCAR's Brickyard 400. The purchase ends the Holman George family's 74-year ownership of the historic Speedway. Here's what IMS Chairman Tony George and Roger Penske had to say at a press conference earlier today. It was an important decision for our family, especially at this time. We've all grown up around it. Um, Nancy and I, anyway, we, we came home from the hospital to a, a home just right, right down the street here. So we've literally grown up around it. Our kids and grandkids have done the same. So bittersweet, but very exciting for us because we know that we're passing the torch to um, an individual who has created an organization that is not only dynamic, but it's ideally suited, I think, to take over this stewardship. I approached him at, at um, the final race of the season, not wanting to distract from the task at hand, which was uh, bringing home another championship, but I wanted to you know, wish him well on the grid, and I just simply said that I'd like to meet with him and talk about stewardship. Today, I hope my dad's looking down at me and looking at this group and say, son, you did a good job. I don't want to leave this conversation without knowing that I understand the integrity and there's got to be a bright line. And uh, to me, I know what my job is and uh, hopefully I've got enough credibility with everyone that we can uh, be sure that that is not a conflict. And uh, I'll do my very best to be sure that isn't. And if, I'm, if you think it is, I hope that I know that uh, you folks will tell me pretty quick. So I've got a lot of guys watching me. Well, what a huge day for the sport, yeah. a huge day for their companies and their employees, uh, but for motorsports in general, uh, for Roger Penske yeah. to, to take over what they're referring to as a stewardship, right? It's not just a yeah, business right. acquisition. Yeah. It's it's taking over the history and the heritage of Indianapolis and Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a huge day. Yeah, you, you look at Indy, and Indy is the George family, okay, the Holmans, and, and that's what it is. But it's also Roger Penske. So it's just a passing of that torch. And it's funny how these two families and the relationship has gone from being a fan there for, for Roger to coming and bringing cars there, being a competitor. Being a competitor against the IRL, which Tony George and those guys were instrumental in crushing in some way, Cart and what Penske and those guys, 
but the respect factor, and I think it showed on on uh, at the podium today, it's the the respect that those families have for each other. Yeah, and Roger Penske, as you said, Kyle, is synonymous with the Indianapolis 500. He's owned speedways before. He yeah. owned Michigan. He owned, he built Fontana. Uh, but this is different. This is a guy who's won 18 Indy 500s at this track, and I think that's why you heard him say in that soundbite that we heard that, hey, there's a, obviously going to be a lot of focus yeah. on this. How is this going to work when I'm the most successful team owner in this series? And now not only do I own the world's most famous racetrack where the signature event of IndyCar happens every year, the Indy 500, I also own the series, which my team just won the championship yeah. in and has dominated for the better part of a half century. Roger's perspective is so unique in the sport. He is this incredible business person that's respected around the world, not just here nationally, yeah. but around the world. In addition to that, he is a multi-time Indy 500 car owner champion. He is a NASCAR champion. He is a IndyCar champion. He has this perspective that I think it, it will be extremely healthy not just for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, yeah. not just for IndyCar, but all the motorsports. Yes. Because the perspective that he has, understanding the importance of corporate environment, understanding yeah. the importance of the fans, understanding all of the things that it takes to make racetracks work. He's a, As you said, he's owned racetracks, he's owned teams, he's been a driver. I can't yes. imagine that there's a better person to have an impact on this sport than Roger Penske. I don't think there's a job in motorsports that Roger Penske hasn't had <laughs> at some point in time. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? If you go back to the very beginning of time in his career of working on his own cars, driving his own cars, owning cars, uh, owning tracks, owning series, owning all this stuff, uh, it, it is. It, it Look, it is just a motorsports in this country, and we're NASCAR guys, but motorsports, when people think of motorsports in the United States, they think Indianapolis. Um, and from the iconic Speedway to the iconic Roger Penske to be able to continue that. It is a huge day for motorsports in this country, and I think. He, Roger Penske touches all forms of yes, motorsports. And forms. so his call list today, I mean, he talked to every team owner yeah. in the IndyCar series. Last night he talked about, he called Jim France. I can imagine yeah. who else was on that list of people he called last night. Jim France put out a statement today from NASCAR. Obviously, it's been universally well-received because, as you guys just talked about, he is universally respected yes. across all forms of motorsports, IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR, V8 supercars in Australia, yeah. everywhere. And what's amazing about him, as big as he is, when you walk up to him, how you doing? Yeah, you, know, right. you know what I mean? He's just a good guy on yeah, top of everything that's, else. That's the best part about yes. Roger Penske. So, uh, there, but there was a race yesterday. <laughs> yes, <right>? there was. <laughs> and, and Kevin Harvey and his team... What they did, uh, in my opinion, what they did looked like one of those Kevin Harvick wins. Yes. We're going to go out there and we're going to beat you, and we're going to beat you by three to four tenths of a second a lap and just drive you into the ground, and that's what that reminded me of. Incredible run. Yeah. You know, Harvick, when, when you think he's out, he entered this round below the cut line, had never been to the round of eight below the cut line. He enters below the cut line, uh, and you think, okay, what's this guy going to do? Statement win. Statement win. I'll just go out and just run you in the ground, beat you by three-tenths a lap, win this thing, and show you I, it's not over yet. I, I'm still in the game, and I've got a shot at this championship. And th this is his M.O. He loves yeah. having his back against the wall and winning you're in, whether it's you know Dover or other places in the past. Uh, Phoenix, he's won there to get to Miami and win the championship in 14. Last night felt a lot like that. This yeah. team and this driver relish these pressure-packed opportunities. It wasn't easy, even though they stopped no. in the pole. They, they had some issues there in the first half of the race, but second half, they, they were clearly class of the field. I, I was impressed with, with 
them overcoming problems. Yeah, they had pit road penalty. They 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 pitted again. Uh, Rodney Childers, crew chief, was open about look. I'm so confused right now. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And to me, that's what this team has become. They yeah. become in the face of adversity. They become just rock solid. Yeah. And they just go about their business. You can see right here. This is a silly mistake. This is a mistake that can't happen. Tire over the wall. Uh, you can't have a tire over the wall. Yeah. You know, and, and it was positioned over the wall before he came on pit road. And here you are, serving a penalty, starting the back for a for a silly reason. And but they just went to work and overcame it. Yeah, this is a mistake um, that that a team that had never been in the championship had never been in, a, in that position to win. This is a mistake that they make. The way they recovered is to way, the way a 49-time winner. A, a, a Rodney Childers, a championship team, recovers. So, I mean, it was, it's funny to look at the position of what the mistake was and how they recovered from it uh, because they're a million miles apart. Never should have happened, but they came back from it. So you guys had a, you got a chance to interview him after the race. Yes. And uh, he had some interesting things to say, I believe. Yes, he had some interesting things to say about where they were, what they were doing, and where they thought they were. For us, we knew we needed to put all our cards in, yeah. um, you know, when we came here. And everybody talks about Phoenix and the things that happen at Phoenix, but we feel like this is better for us than, than Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, just because of, of um, you know, our history and, and the way that our cars are built and, and the things that we do with this particular rules package, we felt like we needed to push everything all in yeah. uh, at this particular race. So uh, Phoenix is, you know, it's just the, the Gibbs cars has ha have had us beat on the short tracks with this rules package this year, and, and it's been uh, a little bit tough to make up that ground so uh, we felt like this was our best shot so went all in just yeah. you know we were we're thinking phoenix right he's so good at <laughs> right. phoenix yes and, and they pushed pushed all the coins in and said let's let's do it right here all the eggs in the texas basket which surprised me because not just yeah. kevin harvick's success at phoenix but the mo of this team and i asked rodney childers actually in the media center later because I, I heard the interview that he did with uh, Kyle, DJ, and Krista, and Harvick saying, hey, we, we knew this was our only shot. Childers was like, oh, no, we, we, we can go yeah. win Phoenix. We, you know, because they have that mentality of we can win every week. Yeah. We, we, and not just win the race. We want to win every practice session. We want to qualify first like they did at Texas. That, that's the way that team approaches everything. And so that's why I think it's really interesting to hear Kevin Harvick admit that. Admit that, yes, uh, we've had this really up and down kind of wild season. We're back in the championship round. But if you look at... The previous four times we've gotten there, yeah. we, we've been a little bit stronger than, than we've been this season. And I think yeah. that was a, a very interesting admission. It, yeah, it was it was a, an interesting admission because you never – I've never heard those guys ever admit that they were off. They were right. all, they always have that. But, but at the same time, some of the stuff he said was, we already have the car picked out for Homestead. We've already done simulation. We're already and, – and they were already – they went into this round below the cut line with the confidence that they were going to be in Miami with the confidence that they were going to be in Miami. Uh, and I think that, that statement spoke volumes for them, too. And, and, you know, Kevin just blatantly said, you know, during the course of some of that, too, that, hey, we had to go out and put it all on the line to see what we had because we're not going to get a chance to run another racetrack like up against the wall on the bottom where we have to run at my, when we get to Miami. We needed to know what our package was and where we had. So I think they're, they, they're listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw it out there and, and put it all on the line, make a statement out of it. Do like he did yesterday. Run them in the ground. So what? 
where are they on your list of? Listen, when, when we went into the playoffs, they were they were at the top of my list, and and I said it to him last night, and I'd said it on on NASCAR America during the week on Motor Mouse on pre race for the last six or seven. Where did Kevin Harvick go? They started the playoffs. Where's Kevin Harvick been? When's he going to show up? When's Kevin going to show up? And, and I said it to him last night. I said, you've probably been mad at me because I've said, when are you going to show up? My God, you showed up tonight. Yeah. You know, you showed up when you got to Texas. When, when it was on the line and it was time to do it, he showed up. Yeah, I mean, he talked on Friday about the fact that they've shot themselves in the foot a lot during the playoffs. And I thought it was telling that they were able to still have those yeah. mistakes last night and overcome them. But he also said that, I mean, honestly, he was surprised to reach the championship round. And I don't know if I had him getting there. But now that he's in, I don't see why they wouldn't necessarily be a, yeah. have a shot to win the championship. I, I, I can assure you that the competitors would prefer that he wasn't. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, there's, right? Yes. there's always somebody yes. you don't want to race against. Yeah. And Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers, when they're on their game, yeah. they – they can just bring more speed than you can, and they, they find it somewhere. Yeah, and they're going. You're going to have to deal with them in Miami. They will, without a doubt, be a factor. Yep. No doubt in my mind. So uh, we're going to need to dress up a little bit more because we are <laughs> very fortunate. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Roger Penske and Mike Mark Miles, two of the key players involved in today's landmark deal involving IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Welcome back to NASCAR America. A huge story today. Penske Corporation is acquiring Holman & Company, the parent of IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is home to both the Indy 500 and NASCAR's Brickyard 400. We now welcome Roger Penske and Holman & Company President and CEO Mark Miles of NASCAR America to discuss today's huge news. Well, Mr. Penske, we're going to start with you. I got a simple question, and that is, why did you want to do this? Well, let me say this, uh, six weeks ago, I probably wasn't even thinking about it, but uh, you know, I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Tony George and Mark. They came to me and said that uh, you know, the family had made a decision or were looking at a decision to potentially uh, sell the assets of the Holman & Company, which included the racing businesses. And obviously, uh, you know, with our background here and understanding uh, motorsports and having been a a track owner for many years, as you know, we bought Michigan in bankruptcy back in 1973 and then merged uh, you know, with ISC. You know, it was the perfect uh, opportunity for us. To me, uh, you know, coming here back in 1951, you know, with my dad as a 14-year-old and to think about you know, how the sport bit me and then over the years, you know, tying together the Speedway and our success helped us build our brand. And I said it earlier today, it just shows uh, with hard work and commitment here in the United States of America, you know, a guy can get his dream come true. And I guess uh, when Tony and Mark called me, uh, you know, this was a, a super, super day for me. And about that decision, Mark, to call Roger, I know the track was looking for a steward to take care of this wonderful Speedway long term. Why was Roger Penske the right person to be the steward to take over Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Honestly, I think that's obvious. Uh, Roger's racing background is unparalleled. That he, he didn't need to do any due diligence about the history of IndyCar or the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or anything that's happened there over all these decades. Um, but he also has this unbelievable uh, business pedigree. He brings uh, success to everything that I can see that he's ever touched. And how, where do you find that, that combination of somebody who's got racing and a passion for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar racing in his DNA? 
and yet uh, knows his way around the boardroom and brings both resources and access and, and energy and passion. So Roger is the perfect uh, steward going forward, as you use the word. And I think it's really a kind of a beautiful thing that the Holman George family, which looked at these treasures as theirs for decades, now can turn them over to Roger. And, I, and I'm sure Roger's family will be uh, looking back on today, decades from now, with a great deal of pride. Roger, you've been a team owner that has owned racetracks before, but this is unique. This is the first time you've owned a racetrack where you won 18 Indianapolis 500s, and you also now own the IndyCar Series, where you have the defending series champion, many wins, many championships there as well. So I'm sure there will be questions about the conflict of interest there. How will you handle that? What will be the process for ensuring that competitive integrity, as I know that you care a lot about, uh, will exist there? Well, Nate, I think, uh, you know, one of the things is we put uh, our structure together. Uh, we will have a separate uh, entity, obviously uh, uh, IndyCar and the productions and the Speedway will be separate. So that way we have the ability to take uh, the IndyCar series. Do we uh, offer uh, owners a chance to uh, invest? Uh, and I think that from a bright line perspective, uh, you know, with the team we have today with Jay Fry, Kyle Novak, and the entire team, I think that I expect, uh, you know, we'll have the same discipline from the standpoint of running the business. Now, for me personally, I'm going to make, I've made one decision. As you know, you don't see me sitting on the pit box uh, uh, in NASCAR, and I would expect today going forward on the IndyCar side that I won't be strategizing with any one of the drivers. Uh, you know, obviously I'll have an interest in how we're doing, but no different than Tony George and People tell me back in the days with Wilbur Shaw, these people had teams, they were drivers. And uh, I think that uh, I understand that as an individual. Uh, I understand uh, having the stewardship here, how important that is. And, and to me, I certainly don't want to have looked to take this on for me to get some personal advantage. I want to be sure that you people that are in the media, most importantly, the fans that support you know, all of these series, uh, that we continue to provide the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is the racing capital of the world. And when you think about the economic benefit that accrues to the region, to the state, uh, and all the Hoosiers here, my goal, it's my responsibility to be sure that happens, not the fact that we win a race or don't win a race. It's not even in my thought process today, tr trust me. All right, so this is for both of you guys. Let's get back to the racetrack. What does this mean for the Indianapolis 500? What does it mean for Indianapolis Motor Speedway? You guys have said you're going to compile top 10 lists from different people for enhancements, things you guys want to do. Is that for competitors, fans, for everyone straight across the board? What is that all about? Well, I think, Kyle, first we've got to think about the fan, don't we? You do and I do every single day. How can we make it more fan-friendly? more interactive, but on the other hand, let's be sure the racing product on the track is the best. And I would say the first thing that we'll do, let's talk about safety. Is there anything we can do, you know, not only to Indianapolis Motor Speed, but, but around the circuits to be sure that we have a safe environment for the fans and also our competitors. Now, is there venue opportunities? Is there mixed venues? You know, Mark and I have talked about that. These are all things that I think that we're going to have an opportunity to talk about. I only had a chance to sit with the key people this morning at 7.30, so obviously we've been on a pretty fast track here. But I'm going to spend the day today and tomorrow I'll be back, and we're going to look at these options, and hopefully we can give the fans some of the thoughts that we have as we go forward to make these top ten lists. 
But Mr. Penske, we, we, you know, obviously this is NASCAR America, so we want to know, you know, how this is going to affect the Brickyard 400. Listen, my goal is to make the Brickyard 400, you know, obviously uh, an iconic race in the NASCAR schedule. Uh, I think that, uh, as you know, uh, everybody wants to win a race at the at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and to me. The opportunity now is we've got new rules packages and things we can do to make that happen. And, uh, you know, we have a road course here. There's other things that possibly could be opportunities for us. But I think we have to, have to ask the fans. Uh, we have a sanctioning body we have to deal with as far as NASCAR is concerned. What do they want us to do? So it's going to be a joint effort. But, you know, obviously we've got many, many options here that can make a difference. Mark, I know Roger said he's very satisfied with the, the management team at IMS and at IndyCar. He's satisfied with the way comp competitive uh, officiating has gone in IndyCar as best it's ever been. But he did talk a little about what's next for the IndyCar series in terms of potentially going to some new venues uh, in the future. H how do you see today's news affecting the uh, NTD data IndyCar series going forward? Well, in the schedule, I think we agree that we're on the right track. We've been careful about it. We're not looking to expand for expansion's sake at all. There are costs related to expansion. We think we're in some traditional venues. We think we've got a great mix from streets to road courses to shorten uh, super speedways. So uh, we're pretty happy there, but we think there may be particular markets that uh, there, where there may be an opportunity and, and we're gonna constantly be looking at that. I, I think uh, at the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway, and we put $90 million into the track uh, just a few years ago. Seems like a while now. Um, but, but it's a venerable old place uh, uh, and, a, and a large place. And when we think about all the things that could be done for fans to improve that experience, it, it's really exciting. So I think this process of the, the top 10, 10 list and thinking carefully about what the priorities ought to be with the fan first is going to be a great uh, journey for us to be a part of. So, Mr. Pinsky, this one's for you. Um, I, I, I grew up coming to Michigan. You mentioned Michigan earlier. I grew up coming to Michigan in the early 70s, hung out with Greg and Roger, with your kids, with your boys. Uh, you talk about coming to Indy uh, in 51 as a 14-year-old. Is this purchase uh, and this business deal for you one of the most meaningful business deals that you've ever put together? There's no question about it. I mean, just to dream about this opportunity uh, when I came here back so many years ago and, you know, see the people, the Foyts and the Andrettis and people who made their history here, uh, you know, it's just amazing. And, and to me, uh, you know, how could you top this? And these are the opportunities, fortunately, that I've been in a position to be able to accept and obviously invest in. And uh, uh, this is one that... Uh, you know, I never believed in it would happen, and it's maybe it's certainly a dream come true. So I put it at the very top of the list. And uh, to me, to be here and help continue to build the iconic Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the race, the largest race in the world, is something that uh, I want to be a part of. And hopefully someone can put a checkbox in the, my in my box, in a green box, say, hey, they made a difference. And that's my focus today. The uh, talk about IndyCar and NASCAR potentially getting together on doubleheader weekends. I know both of you have addressed that in the last year. What, what does today's news potentially mean for that going forward? I and mean, obviously now you have a track where maybe you could have an IndyCar, NASCAR doubleheader weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the future. Well, look, that's uh, obviously a discussion that we'll have. 
I think we got to look at that. Uh, that's going to take some discussion with both sanctioning bodies. Uh, you know, we obviously have had no conversation with NASCAR. Does that make sense? Do they want that. But I think uh, it's time to look at some differences, break some glasses, they say, in certain areas and see if that's uh, something that's reasonable to do. But, you know, do we have a 24-hour race here? Do you have a Formula One race here? All of these things are options also. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is a huge day for you guys and the companies you represent. But I think even a bigger day uh, for the industry and the fans and everybody involved in motorsports. This seems like yeah. a great thing for everybody involved. And appreciate you taking some time to spend some time with us. Well, thank you, guys. And look, appreciate what you do. And you've been in this sport, all of you, and know the difference. Uh, and to me, uh, it's a great day for all of us. It's just not me personally. It's for you know, all the people that work for me, all the people here that, you know, are guided by Mark and his team. Uh, you know, this is a real team effort, and I think it's a, hopefully a victory for all of us, and most important, our fans. Texas produced a nightmare scenario for Denny Hamlin, guys. Uh, can he overcome this latest obstacle to get to Miami? We're going to discuss it next. for the third year in a row um, but just a just an awesome awesome race car really proud of everybody and um, you know excited to get to work on that homestead car really happy for everybody back at the shop um, we've got a car going to homestead to race for the championship and uh, that's what it's all about we we brought very fast race cars this weekend and uh, and so it was fun hopefully we can have more weekends like these to, to finish over there in victor lane man the stewart house cars are so fast oh my goodness Two names now in yellow, and only one more opportunity to lock into the championship four at Miami Homestead. We're in right now. <laughs> it's close. It's going to be a battle next week, so uh, we'll make sure we, uh, we're ready to go. Yeah, so we're two on the 22, so it's going to be a race between the 18 and the 22. Imagine that. Yeah, 20 points is, is nice. Um, the fourth place part is not nice. That's uh, All it takes is a win from one of the guys that's out to... Uh, knock us out. We're gonna have to have a good, really good day at Phoenix. That's um, that's the place we ran good at in the spring, and just uh, go try to win. But if we can obviously go to Phoenix and have a strong run and be able to go out there and win, uh, that'll that'll put ourselves through as well too. So uh, I don't know. Well, the car and the effort will be there. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, there's no doubt in my mind we can go there and win, and especially uh, in in these circumstances. Uh, I like I like uh, the challenge. So uh, we're gonna go out there and give it our best shot and. Uh, put our best foot forward and see if we can't get a win next week. Yeah, so Denny Hamlin entered Texas. He was 24 points above the cut line. After that, yesterday, he's now 20 points below the cut line. What's his chances? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know, man. You know, and, and you listen to those guys and, and Joey's like, well, 20 points above is good, um, but being fourth, I don't think 20 points above is good. Um, Denny Hamlin's 24 above, and now he's 20 below. That's a 44-point swing. We look at Ryan Blaney, and I, I said it before, runs fifth at Martinsville, eighth yesterday, and he's lost five points. I mean, he keeps going backwards in points. It is such an, an, an odd system where you have to make things happen in, in, in the stages. Denny's got to go out there, sit on a pole, win the first stage, win the second stage, and 
just to get back in the game, yep. just to get back to zero. You know I mean, just to get back to, to, to that part of it. So um, we've talked about it. He seemed to be the guy of destiny. But destiny yeah. may have run out two weeks early. Exactly. Uh, it's kind of the way I look at it. It's going to be tough. It felt like Texas was a bit of a hangover effect yes. for the number 11 team because they were so focused on Martinsville. He had that quiet confidence that Denny yes. Hamlin always has when you just know that he's got the best car and if things go his way, he will win. And Martinsville, he sat on the pole and it looked like he was, that was going to be his day, and it wasn't. And I think it bled over to last night at Texas a little bit because – Obviously, it's self-induced error in this case. Um, the, the team yeah. didn't put the car under him that he, that he needed to, to get a good finish at Texas. Yeah, I, I thought this weekend was really interesting for those guys because they'd been coming to the mile and a half, not qualifying well, not having speed in qualifying, which meant they had a lot of downforce stacked yeah. on the cars. This week, they qualified really well, uh, which meant they came with a different package. They came with something completely different. Que- I, I, I question that. When I saw how fast he went in qualifying, like, was that really the right thing to do? I'm questioning it even more now. Yeah. This late in the year, I just don't know that, that this is the time to make that change. But I know that the the, the, the crew chief and the driver are right there yeah. believing in each other. I know all that, and they went into this thing together. I, I'm sure of that. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, Denny driving something that I don't think he was completely accustomed to driving uh, you know, may have contributed to this. And, you know, it's easy for me to yeah. say, right? I'm yeah. sitting behind a desk. But but I question the decision to do yeah. that going into Texas. And, and, and yeah, I said it on the call. This morning I flew back last night with, with some of those guys and um, was, was chatting with Jimmy Makar as we walked. And, and I think he was almost stunned that they had fallen so far, that, that I think they felt like they were comfortable. You talk about going with something different. When you're 24 to the good, you have that little bit of comfort level where you think, what the heck? Let's give it a try. Let's go with less downforce. Let's go with this package or whatever. Um, and and I and it almost felt like that a little bit talking to them. That they, they they thought they could try something. Inside that eight, it's tough to try something. You, you, you know. And I and I, I, I want to go one step further with Denny. If Denny Hamlin goes to Phoenix with his back against the wall and wins both stages and wins this race and moves on to to Homestead. Denny Hamlin is a totally different driver than he was when his dreams were crushed four or five years ago. He has become mentally strong. He has done it. He is that championship caliber driver. This speaks volumes for Denny Hamlin as a driver and as a person if he can pull this off. If he pulls it off, watch out yes. in Miami. Who yeah. has a better shot, Denny Hamlin right. or Chase, Chase Elliott. Elliott? Yeah, because you got two guys now yeah. underneath the cut line. We know Chase Elliott has to win. Yeah. Uh, and Denny Hamlin, to Kyle's point about points, I mean, I, I don't see him getting through unless it's yeah. a win. And I mean, Chase Elliott was really confident, despite the fact that he had this early accident that took him out of the race at Texas. And if it wasn't already must-win going back to Martinsville and the problems he had there, it certainly is now. Uh, I still think Denny's my guy. If yeah. I had to pick one or the other, I, I, as, as much as I think Chase Elliott's got a shot, he, he and Denny Hamlin tangled for the lead at yeah. Phoenix a couple of years ago. So they've, they've got history here like they've had at Martinsville. They've both been up front, but I feel like it's a, a, D- a Denny Hamlin race. The biggest surprise, I think, for, for and, and the reason Jimmy Maycar was surprised is because you don't expect to see Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin yeah. make those mistakes. Yeah. Right? You yeah. just don't expect yeah. to see it. Yeah. It, it. It shocked me to see yeah. both of those guys made mistakes. At the end of the day, that's what happened. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what happened, and their worst nightmare happened. A guy below the cut line won yes. the race. Yes. Uh, okay. And that totally changes these points. We can talk about it all we want to. You can guys can talk about it on the race. You can write about it, do it on your podcast. 
We can do it on pre-race and post-race. But until you actually see that guy from below that line jump up in there and you go, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see how it just changed that yeah. point system? And it, it totally changed everything with, with Kevin Harvick. We do need to fix the racetracks. You slide through the infield, your day shouldn't be over. Yeah. <laughs> Got to fix that. So I don't think so. I think it'll leave it. <laughs> hey, listen, I, and I'll, I'll argue with y'all. Let's take let's take all the sand traps away from the PGA tournament too. Okay, it's a penalty for being in the grass. But you get to hit the ball out it of the sand trap. It should be a penalty. Your, car, your, it your ball be a get, penalty. Your ball don't get destroyed. We're going to agree to disagree trap. and move right on to section number. <laughs> Kyle loves hazards. I do, I, you yeah. got to have hazards, man. Never you argue with a guy that's willing to sit on a bull and ride it. I will give you that. All right. So listen, two two other drivers. Let's talk about right. Okay. They were talking about it. Joey Logano, Kyle yeah. Busch. Yes. Right? Yeah. Essentially, wow. what we could have is a point battle between those two guys mm-hmm. trying to get to Miami. I don't know who the favorite is yeah. of those two. I, they're so up and down, it's hard for me to put my finger I on it. I think Kyle Busch likes his position because he yeah. sat right where KP is right now on Motor Mouse last week and essentially laid this out, that if it comes down he to did. a points battle, all I have to do is worry about staying on sequence with the guy I'm battling. Yeah. Don't, don't get in any crazy strategies. And I, although he did also say after the Texas race, I mean, Joey Logano is a formidable team. He's yeah. a tough competitor. I think he believes now that the relief of, of getting a top 10 at Texas yeah. and, you know, kind of chasing away this slump a little bit, he thinks he can beat Joey Logano. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, these two guys, and, and, and Joey Logano, I've said it here, the last three or four races have been the ugliest races in any, of any playoff driver ever. <laughs> to, keep, to continue to advance. That makes Joey Logano dangerous. Right. That makes him ja- dangerous. Kyle Busch not winning a race over the last 17 or 18 or 19, whatever it is, that makes Kyle Busch dangerous. You put these two guys in a winner-take-all championship-style race at Miami, no matter what Truex has done, no matter what Kevin Harvick's done, um, it's going to be a show. Same show as last year, right. but it's going to be a little bit more intense, I believe. So, so Kevin Harvick in victory lane said he didn't think that they had as good a chance of winning at, Tex- at, at Phoenix as they do Texas because of Joe Gibbs racing. That's what good he point. said. Look, so if you're going yeah. to, if you're going with this yeah. package, with because this of this package, package. So because if, of this yeah. package, so if you're good, going great point. to Phoenix and you have to pick one guy, Joe Gibbs racing at Phoenix, I'm going with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch has won the last yeah. two races. Yeah. There so you go. I mean yeah. that. Kind of sums it up. That's probably why, again, why Harvick put all their eggs in the basket yeah. at Texas. Great point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's shocking coming from, you know, coming from Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick, yeah. That, you know, he, he doesn't think he's the favorite to go win. That's how things have changed. Yeah. yeah. No question. All right. So, coming up next, we're going to uh, Veterans Day is quickly approaching. We'll tell you how Kurt Busch is giving back to the military members and veterans across the country. show support is through the V Challenge. Draw the V symbol with the initials of a special veteran on the palm of your hand, snap a photo, and share it on social media using the hashtag honor through action. 
Among those who are giving back to veterans and military members is Kurt Busch. This year he launched the KB100 program, which offers 100 tickets for each Cup Series race to veterans and current military members. So another reason that it's cool. Kurt Busch cool had uh, to be happy this weekend, in addition to doing this, yes, this he did. charity program, he, uh, he knows where he's going to be racing next year uh, before the offseason for the first time in a couple of years. <laughs> 100 tickets, 100 cans of Monster Energy drink. Yeah, That's and, it. Yeah, Where's he, he going to be? He also knows he's going to be driving for more than one season. He, he signed yes. a multi-year extension yeah. to stay in the number one Chevrolet at Chip Ganassi Racing. I think that's a huge show of what Chip Ganassi feels like Kurt Busch brings to the program. Yes, I, right. I think I think that that Kurt Busch has elevated Ganassi Racing, has taken them to a different place, given them a direction, um, and Kyle Larson has benefited from that, along with Kurt Busch, obviously with a two-year extension. But at the same time, that whole organization took a huge step forward when C Kurt Busch walked through the door. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I was, it was interesting to me how how he and Kyle Larson will work together. Yeah. Right, because you, you never know. Person, yeah. you know, different personalities. Uh, you know, how are they going to work together? But clearly, they've worked together very well. Uh, they seem to make each other better. Both have said yeah. that. So this has been a really good, really good uh, pairing of those two drivers. Yeah, and Chip Ganassi talked about that as well this past weekend at the news conference to announce the deal that Kyle Larson just deferred to Kurt Busch, even yeah. though Kurt Busch was the new guy, and that Kurt Busch showing up at 8 a.m. to be there for pit stop practice. Chip Ganassi said it's a great example of how yeah. one person can have a huge effect on the organization. In this case, it was the driver. So if you want a job or if you want to get a promotion, show up early. <laughs> That's what we learned today. That's how we learned here. And what we're going to talk, I don't know that I 100% want to do this, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Bubba Wallace's spin. And the reason why is derailed the strategy of several drivers, including Kyle Larson. was the 43 spinning on purpose you know it, it put us a lap down really helped the four and really killed you know us and a few others so um crappy finish um you know i felt like we were gonna have a good shot to to win up until the 43 spun on purpose you see a trend and you've got to react you do we tend to to trust uh, the teams out there and the drivers maybe too much at times. We'll certainly take a look at that. Obviously, didn't make a call during the race uh, Sunday. Uh, if we need to address it, we will in the driver's meeting ahead of Sunday's race and, and make sure that, that we're staying on top of that. Yeah, so that spin was a was a key moment in the race. And the reason why is Kyle Larson had been on pit road, put him, put him essentially a lap down. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it also hurt the 24 car, it hurt the one car, it hurt the 20 car. Uh, on the other hand, it helps some guys. It, you know, the, the winner, Kevin Harvick, restarted after that. He restarted in sixth. Had that spin not happened yeah. or a caution happened yeah. 15 laps later, Kevin Harvick probably would have restarted about 10th yeah. So because those other cars got caught. So it hurt some people and it helped some people. Uh, a lot of conversation about 
drivers intentionally spinning and what should NASCAR do about it? And well, you know, what should they do? What should this they isn't do? a new thing. And <laughs> it's I, not I, a new thing. That's I, right. The biggest here's a problem I got with it. I, I if it's blatantly obvious, like 100 yeah. percent obvious, I can see NASCAR stepping in, right? But how do you determine that? I mean, that's what's yeah. so difficult. Like you go, NASCAR is going to have to make a call like this and say, okay. We think you did, we think you did it. We're gonna penalize you three laps. That's it. But it's but yeah. they try to give the drivers the benefit of the doubt. It puts them in a really bad spot. It, it does. It, it, you're you want NASCAR to stay out of things, but now you're asking them to step in. And and look, while while we're watching Bubba do this, and and do I believe that was intentional? Yes, I do. I'm gonna go ahead and throw that out. So that's okay. So nobody just screams at me about that. At the same time, <laughs> he's still riding around on the apron at 80 or 90 miles an hour, uh -huh. even though it looks like he's running 30 or 40 miles an hour. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You talk about who it hurts. You talk about who it helps. Have you ever driven a race car, Jeff Burton, and done anything where you thought, I'm going to help that other guy? No. It's about you. It's about Joey Logano when he spun at, at, at Martinsville. At Martinsville. Yeah. It's about Clint Boyer. That was about Bubba Wallace. That's not about Kyle Larson. Yeah, right. Not about Kyle Larson. That's not about Kevin Hart. That's not about any he could care less about those other guys. And that's the attitude you have as a driver. It's about you and your team. Not about changing the race. Not about changing anything else. So from that perspective, you have to look at that team. But they've been in it. Kyle Larson did it and got penalized at, at Eldora or somewhere. I mean, yeah. and we've seen other guys yeah. do it. It's been done a million years. Um, and there are penalties. But you're, you either have to be out of it or you have to go step in and do it uh, and, and make that call. And, and NASCAR has not been willing to make that call as Here, of yet. Here's what I want to get both of your guys' reaction to this, because I, I think you're right. NASCAR's in a tough spot. Yes, they Doesn't are. Doesn't it put drivers in a tough spot now as well? Because Kyle Busch told Dustin Long on NBCSports.com today that there was an, a situation at Kansas earlier this year. He had a flat tire. Yeah. He could have spun it. He limped back to the pits, went two laps down, finished 30th. Yeah. Uh, you know, should I, I feel like it puts these guys in a moral quandary now that if, if intentionally Look, spinning like, is just okay... Like, how, how do you decide, like, when... A moral quandary. We've got guys wiping guys out on the racetrack. <laughs> There's no moral quandary out there. It's a... It's a... It, it's... Listen, it's what... It's it's the code that you're willing to race by and live by. Yeah. And if you can look yourself in the mirror knowing that you did that, that's okay. If you can look yourself in the mirror knowing I drove in the corner and took Jeff Burton out, I'm okay with that. You may not be okay but, with that, but, but what but if I'm you okay. look in the mirror and you just say, geez, I'm a sucker. I, I didn't spin intentionally I didn't spin. when other guys did it to benefit themselves. So, Everybody now should yeah. spin if they have a flat tire, yeah. so if, if NASCAR's not going to enforce yeah, it. Yeah, if they're not going to enforce it. That's, there's, your, there's your thing. Well, Steve O'Donnell on, on uh, Sirius XM NASCAR radio this morning said that quite possibly there's going to be a conversation yeah. with drivers about this, and that will make it a little bit easier for drivers. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, listen, people get mad because – they shouldn't make a call on the yellow line. Yeah. They're going to get mad if they make a call. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, true. Puts NASCAR true. in a bad spot. Blaney. Where's Blaney? Like, yeah. I, I right. you know, Ryan Blaney ran well yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the bottom line is he's finished fifth and eighth. Right? Hey, left Martinsville 15 solid, points back. Solid. And now he's 23 points back. Solid. Solid. And now he, now, listen, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how each position is one point and each each stage is a point and you can have good finishes in a in a time when that's what you think it's all about and still still drop. When it's you, amazing. It's the people that you're racing. The it is. It's people the people you're racing. You're racing. You know right. how to prevent this? Win more stages in yeah, the regular right. season exactly and right. win more races in the yeah. regular season. When you enter yeah. the playoffs, 
And you're that many points yeah. behind. You have to overachieve great point. to get yourself in. Yeah, great point. Your regular season will get you through yeah. those races. This yeah. is, I mean, this is the round where it shows up. Yeah. If you don't have those playoff yes. points yeah. banked by yes. now, you got to win. Yeah, he's the poster child for that. Blaney yeah. is the poster. We're going to make T-shirts. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> We're going to make T-shirts. He's the poster child. Who's going who's gonna to make the money? Uh, NASCAR. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so coming up, we're going to look ahead to next, year's, next week's race at Phoenix. Two drivers will join Truex and Harvick championship battle Miami. Another big piece of news today announced with Toyota saying that Kyle Busch will compete in next year's Rolex 24 at Daytona for the first time. He will drive in the GTD class and a Lexus fielded by a team co-owned by Jimmy Vassar. comes off, you don't hit the wall, <laughs> yep. it causes the caution, you, hey man, that's, that's your day. At least, at least that's you didn't day. spend the cause of caution. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. He meant for that wheel to come off, though. I'm just kidding. We don't have long. Sorry. What two drivers do you have joining Truex and Harvey? Um, Kyle Busch and Joey Logano. Kyle same, and Joey. same as last year. I got Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. I think Hamlin wins. Wow. Denny's going to step that's up to bold. the plate and get that yes. win. Yeah. Both of you. I think I think Kyle Busch and Logano, I, yeah. think, I think there's so many points you have to make up. Uh, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, they have clean days. I think they're yes. safe. But it's been hard to have clean days yeah, lately. It has. Yeah. So we'll know next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, next Monday. Right here, we're going to talk about it. Appreciate all you guys joining us. We have a great time doing this show, but if it's not for you guys watching, we can't do it. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.